Thanksgiving begins a very special time of the year for us. It's the time of peace and For the first time in more than five and a half years, we finally tonight have a few new answers to a question that has loomed over Indiana and over the town of Delphi. Who killed Abby Williams and Living Church? From the end of the bridge to you gotta go through. Now, I believe that the bodies were found about to. born from a family's grief and determination. In April of 2020, Army soldier Vanessa Guillen went missing while stationed at one of the largest military installations. You hear that little music in the background that goes, don't be suspicious, don't be suspicious. Right. Knew about it or was there. It's, he's as guilty as the person who committed Chilling the details in the arrest of a suspected serial killer caught before he could strike again. Him, they, they, they dropped the ball, man. Like they said, he went AWOL mm. and that uh, he was a deserter, and nobody went to look for Today is not a day to celebrate, but the arrest of Richard M. Allen of Delphi on two counts of murder. Like I said, we're going back. We were asked last time to kind of talk about the food, uh, the grub truck video, and kind of give our perspective of it. The, the, the press release from the police department indicated that they're still trying to put pieces together from that night. It, does that does that worry you in any at any point uh, or at any bit that they're still trying to put those pieces together? It's been over five weeks since little Kaylee Anthony vanished. Her mother, Casey, has been arrested for lying to police. She's being held without bail. From the year 3000, it still sucks. This is Phil J. Fry, and you're listening to The Drunken Turkey Show. You're one stop for this sort of thing. Hit that button, like, and subscribe. You know what to do, just like every other podcast. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to The Drunk Turkey Show. I'm your host, Daniel J. Alongside with me, as always, I mean, G and, and Big Blue is beaming up here from outer space in a, in a couple of seconds. Uh, there he is. There he is. Hi, man. How, how you doing tonight, man? I'm late. <laughs> hey, we had a little bit of technical difficulties, y'all. Uh, sorry for mm-hmm. the late start, but we're finally here. Thank you. Yep, yep. Thank you all 332 of you guys in the, um, in the live chat. Um, we appreciate you guys. Please hit that like button and subscribe button. Big Blue, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Just trying to relax and enjoy my little peace before I have to go to work tonight. Got you. Got you. Um, today, we're going to be talking uh, Idaho 4. We're going to be talking about Brian Koberger. We're going to look into his um, some videos that I found um, from the classes that he took at DeSales University uh, in the criminal justice uh, department and kind of see how perhaps maybe uh, some of this this uh, footage kind of shines some light as to why he's so confident as far and also maybe some clues in, into this case. Uh, but before we get started, um, we're going to talk about first and foremost, the uh, it has been confirmed that the body found in the river wire was Nicola Bully. Uh, sad news. It's unfortunate. Our prayers and thoughts go out to her and her family, um, you know, took a couple of, you know, took a significant amount of time for them to, to find her. It was a couple of dog walkers that ended up finding the body. Uh, what, what are your thoughts uh, on, on that? We'll start off with you, Jaime. It's a sad situation, man. Um, 
at this point, it doesn't really matter if there was foul play or accidental. Uh, what matters is that, you know, she left two kids behind and they're going to be suffering, you know, for the loss of their mother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. What about you, Big Blue? Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, uh, I thought the report was pretty pretty crazy. When they found the body, you know, they, they brought up everything to try to find her. They brought out the helicopter. They brought out the scuba team. They even brought out a drone to to, to panel the, the, the riverside. Mm-hmm. So you know, I'm, I'm glad they found her. It's just sad the way they found her. But that way there's no more mystery of, like, if she's ran away or somebody took her and is doing something to her. So. Yeah. 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 No, you're absolutely right, man. And it's, it's sad. Uh, it's unfortunate. Um, you know, it's something that the police there in Langshire and uh, had basically been, you know, that was what they thought and believed. Now we, we covered the Vanessa Gillian case. And in that case, there was a lot of uh, evidence as far as where her body was located. Police search after police search couldn't find her body. It wasn't until you know, workers nearby doing construction on the on the roadway nearby ended up finding her remains. And so, you know, I know there's a lot of speculation as to when or, or um, you know, when her body went into the water and things of that nature, or if there was, you know, more, you know, foul play involved in the situation if she was, you know, pushed in or, or something like that. But at this point, um, I don't think that they have any evidence to believe that there was foul play involved. You know, I think in adding any other speculation to it only does more damage to the uh, the family, in my opinion. You know, I think they're going to be grieving their mourning for, you know, this is a, uh, you know, a mother. Not a, I, don't, I, don't, I know she wasn't married to 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 this man, but she was, yeah. you know, her, this guy's partner and, you know, she was a daughter and and a lot of things. And so it's just truly sad. <clears throat> now, um the next thing I want to talk about is there was a little bit of uh, <laughs> some news that came out uh, late last night, early this morning, uh, referencing the Idaho case. Uh, a guy named Justin came out, started talking about um, Dylan Mortensen and stating that he was a, uh, what did he say? He said he was working with the feds and also working with the defense and also speaking out for Dylan Mortensen. That just in that alone, there's a lot of contradiction and based on who he is claiming to be associated with, in my opinion. Um, I listened to the entire video. I, I don't think any of what this person is saying is true. Um, did you guys happen to catch that video? Uh, we'll start off with you, Hyman. Yeah, yeah, I did, man. But, uh, you know, uh, it really... It, at the end of the day, man, like you got people that passed away, and it doesn't really matter what they they, they identify it as, you know. Right. Uh, even if it, if it's not true or it is, it doesn't really matter. This uh, life was lost, you know, not only the one before, and that's right. what really matters. No, yeah, I agree. I agree. I just find that this person put, you know, spreading this information is, you know. I know a lot of folks are afraid to to touch the the conversation, but at the end, this guy claimed that everybody in the house was homosexual, including Ethan, and that um, Ethan and Xana were each other's cover. 
you know, he just kind of went well off the off the deep end. I think it was JB Gunner who had put out a video uh, later on uh, mm-hmm. where this same guy had stated that the FBI arrested uh, Chief Fry of the Moscow Police Department in his connection to a double homicide somewhere else. Yeah, he it sounds like a troll job, to be honest with you. And, you know, the guy put his face out there. Um, the guy, put, you know, spoke up. So you got to listen to what he says. But at the end of the day, I don't think I don't think much of what he said is factual. Uh, what do you think, Big Blue? Did you get an opportunity to watch that? Let me see. I'm trying to unmute myself. No, you unmuted yourself and then muted yourself. <laughs> that was happened to me. That's some. Yeah, it takes forever to, to pop up. But yeah, I think he's just looking for followers and a little bit of cloud from it, man. Hmm. Um, no, I, go ahead. I said, uh, would it make a difference in the defense's story? Like when they ask your questions on the defense? No. Doesn't make a difference. Right. You know, and, and I don't think I don't think anybody's going to take this any any what serious and I don't think it's going to have any effect on, on the trial itself. Um, but speaking of the trial and speaking about, you know, Kohlberger, he came out here recently or or sources close to Ashley Banfield um, stated basically. And oh, well, real quick, uh, thank you so much, Misty uh, Grosso, for becoming our newest YouTube member. I appreciate it. Okay. And and for our members, um you know, what we do on Fridays is we have a uh, after show where we go on for an additional 30 minutes or so and, and just have a members only show. If you want to catch that, 100 percent encourage you to become a member. You get um, backstage to some of our videos as well and early release stuff. So please, if you're interested, hit that join button. If uh, you're you have an iPhone and unsure in the description of the video, there's a link that says how to join. And so. Please do that and hit that like button, guys. It really helps out. There's 636 of you guys in here, and I think we only have 154 likes. Let's get that caught up. Let's let's try to get to 500 likes. Um, well, anywho, uh, today what we did or what I did was I put together some some video clips from DeSales University. We're going to watch those and and comment on them as far as, as the case goes. Um, you guys ready for that? Let's do it. The sales gave, gave me the tools to figure out who, who I can be um, and who I want to be. And I, I think that if I was in a different, a different situation, maybe at a different college, um, I don't necessarily know that I would have had those same opportunities. So I'm certainly grateful for that. The criminal justice program here actually has a number of specific tracks that are designed depending on the student's interest. For example, we have a new track in digital forensics that allows students to prepare for working in a field that actually evaluates cell phones, computers, iPads, and other electronic devices that are used during the commission of a crime. We also have an intelligence track that focuses on the issues of homeland security and terrorism. We also provide a track for pre-law for students interested in pursuing law school as a prosecutor or defense attorney. You're getting practical instruction from people that are either currently in the fields that you desire to be in or from people that have been in the field previously. Who are going to teach you not just from what a book tells you about criminal justice, from what it is actually like in the field. We've had students intern at the U.S. Marshals Service at a number of local police departments. We also have specifically for DeSales students an internship at the Lehigh Valley Coroner's Office, at the Lehigh Valley Digital Forensics Laboratory, and also at the Lehigh County 
intelligence center. Your instructor makes a post. So one thing I want to highlight, they talk about the five-year course that they have for um, a student to become a, um, you know, a master's, to get their master's degree in criminal justice. And one of the courses that is taken upon this is digital forensics. You know, I know there's a lot of people saying, well, you know, his his major may have been in, you know, psychology and this, that, and a third. I agree. But there are certain other classes that need to be taken within the course um, that they need to take so that they can achieve their diploma or their degree. And yeah. so um, I found the fact that he was in. Um, and we'll, real quick, thank you so much. Uh, was that? Lonely girl, Lo Joni girl. I'm sorry about that. Joni girl. Appreciate so much becoming the newest member. Thank you. Um, you know, he, he would have been somewhat supposedly well-versed in, in forensics, uh, digital forensics, you yeah. know, computers, phones, things of that nature. Uh, I find it kind of odd that he would be so sloppy and that's, you know, not saying that to defend him. He also used a, a weird word. He stated, you know, and I was bringing this up earlier, uh, sources close, you know, that are, are with ties to Ashley Ban Banfield, have stated that he's very confident uh, to be exonerated, which in order to be exonerated, you'd have to be first convicted and then found innocent of the crimes you were convicted of. Yeah. You know, for somebody who has a degree or, you know, studying to be a, a PhD in criminology, you would expect that those terms and that terminology and that that would be there, you know, in my opinion. And so, um I don't know, man. I um, <laughs> it is what it is. And thank you so much for you know, Glowbug also becoming an newest member. We appreciate you. Also, guys, um, before we go forward, uh, if you guys are interested in the beanies, um, they are up for sale. They are at our website. Check us out at drunkturkeyshow.com. It's out there. So we'll, we'll get visit Please. it, check it out. We have blues tour dates coming up soon. Let's, let's play this. Yeah. Oh, we got another another member, Green Eye Bandit. Thank you so much for joining. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. All right, I'm gonna unmute this and let's do this. Proactive effort to get to know you, not only as a student but as a person. So I think that personalized touch that you get here at DeSales is a unique advantage for students because they're not going through the process alone. Their entire four years, the faculty is here to guide them. We have a unique program available where a student can get their undergraduate degree in criminal justice and their master's degree in criminal justice in just five years. Students essentially are able to save both time and money by getting several graduate courses completed with their undergraduate degree and their undergraduate tuition. We have students that go on to federal agencies like the Secret Service or Custom and Border Patrol. Um, we also have students who are interested in local and, and state law enforcement, like the state police or local police, or people who want to work with children in the children and youth services. So really they have their option of jobs at either the local, state, or federal level. And I believe our degree prepares them for a successful career at any of those levels. One of the, the biggest mottos or sayings in the school is, you know, be, be who you are and be that well. And I think that both the undergraduate and graduate programs allow you to discover what you're good at. Not, not something that you're not, not something that you think you'd like to be, but figure out where your center is, figure out where, who you are as a person, as a student, and then take, take that and make yourself the best at being that person.
So that was just something that I wanted to put out there. This is one of a few videos we're going to watch today. Mm -hmm. um, so this was the uh, in reference to the, the course that they have, the five years um, to get their master degree in criminal justice. Talks about some of the courses that were taken. And, you know, what concerns me about that is this guy is going to be well versed in understanding the processes of a crime scene, things of that nature. But what he doesn't understand is it doesn't matter what you learn in a classroom, you know, being there in real life, you know, mistakes be made. And, um, you know, he's very confident. He thinks that he's going to be found innocent of this. Um, I don't know. What do you, what do you guys think? Do you guys think that he, um, um, too many mistakes were made for somebody with this type of, uh, um, information. I mean, is this uh, kind of concern you that maybe they, they got the right guy or wrong guy? What do you all think? We'll start off with you, Big Blue. Am I on mic already? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You never okay. went muted. Yeah, looks like it still says muted on mine, so that's what I was checking. Fits. Um, um, I think with that much schooling on, on all the cases that they would have to be reviewing, he'd have to be a little bit more careful than what he was. Yeah. People are careless, man. So. Yeah. I mean, like you said, Danny, um, you have to take certain classes. You have to have certain knowledge of different things, um, including from digital footprint. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, with him taking classes of that, before that, um, you think he'll, he would have, like, played it better with his cell phone if it was pinging all over the place? Maybe, maybe now well, at, at least, at least not in town around the, you know, around the, around the time of the event. You know what I mean? Right, right. Well, that's the thing. During the time of the event, he wasn't. He turned his phone off, so it didn't show him in town. And when it did come back on, it showed him um, way south of town. Now, there's one thing in the probable cause affidavit uh, that, that it just bugs me. I don't understand why it's in there. They talk about him traveling to Albertson, to Idaho, um, to Johnson, Idaho, and, and all this stuff, right? But they don't tie it in together as to why that, that that's relevant in this case. They don't tie it into why uh, that is a piece that should be looked at uh, that points to some sort of guilt in this crime. Like, I don't understand why it's there. Now, had they found a weapon, had they found some clothing, some tools, you know, out in the mountains of Johnston, Idaho, and they're like, hey, on this day he was there, turned his phone off, and shit, sure enough, we get out there and we found this, uh, all this evidence, right? But that's not the case. They don't tie it in. All they do is show that this guy takes long-ass drives and turns his phone off for long periods of time. And more than just the day of the incident. So it shows a, uh, a pattern, right? Because that's the first thing, you know, as an, you know, what the defense is going to want to do. I mean, the prosecution is going to want to do first and foremost is going to try to figure out, you know, what they should do is if there's a pattern of this person acting in this way before, does he take long trips with his phone off, you know, mm -hmm. before and after this incident occurred? And if he doesn't, you know, then there's a possibility that that's all he was doing that night. You know what I'm saying? And so um, you, you know, for instance, in the, you know, to show a different way as far as why it would work. Let's just say you had a, an SA, a sexual um, crime. Right. And what? their sh their shoes, you know, this is just completely uh, 
just a different crime. And I'm just going to show you the reason why um, this type of um, um, why you have to go in these steps. Right. So let's just say you have a sexual assault. Right. And you have a victim and there's an act, uh, somebody who accuses someone. Right. You have an, an actor. Right. Somebody who's alleged to have committed this crime. And let's just say this person took off and you found their shoes in the house. Right. He took off. He, he did, committed the assault and left. Right. So he left some of his clothing behind. You know, first thing you want to do is when you talk to me and ask him, how long have you, you know, how many times have you visited this house? Have you ever been there? Is this your first time? You know, try to try to, you know, get down a pattern. And then you're going to talk to him. He's like, oh, I've been there before. We've had many parties, whatever. Right. And then you're going to be all right. And when, when you've entered these houses, you know, parties and houses, you know, was this one of those houses where everybody took their shoes off? No, no, no. Everybody kept their shoes on. Oh, OK, so nobody left their shoes at the door. None of those things. And the reason why you want to do this is because when it comes down to where you found their shoe in the room, they, you want there to be no reason why his shoe would be off. Right. And then that points to the, that. That ties in the circumstantial evidence. There's no tying in here. And so that's what concerns me about it, if that makes all sense. And so, um, you know, if. It would be better evidence had he gone to Johnson, Idaho and not turned his phone off or had he not gone anywhere. You know, you already had that his father had to travel across town to to drive back with him. Right. So you had that piece of evidence. So had he not gone and drove all over the place, then you would have you know, you could have stated or the or the uh, the prosecution could have stated, look, this guy. He couldn't even go across, the, you know, couldn't drive by himself. He needed his daddy to come drive with him. You know, do you, you know, this is some behavior that's, that's different. It's, it's unexpected behavior. You get what I'm saying? And I don't think that's what they're doing in this situation. So um, I hope that makes any sense. Yeah. Well, I think the digital footprint and, you know, there was other mistakes done by him, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or by the perpetrator, because, you know, obviously it's innocent until proven guilty, right? Right, right. I'm going to play this in the background. I'm not going to have the, the noise on just so we can watch it, though. But at the same time, so this is a just a clip um, from DeSales about the uh, this is more like some highlights of what they've done there. And right here, as you can see, they they've constructed a um, a scene. You can tell you see that the they're wearing, you know, stuff to make sure that they don't leave their DNA behind. Right. So they won't contaminate. Exactly. They are trying not to contaminate. So he's aware of how easy and how, you know, to leave DNA. And one question that I had that kind of points to Koberger is the search warrant. When they searched his house and they and the items that they recovered, one was a, um, a Walmart bag. I mean, a Walmart receipt, a Marshall's yeah. receipt and a Dickie's tag. Yeah. Now, they wouldn't pick up those items unless they were relative to the case. Right. Like, for instance, if there was a, um, you know, a uh, some bubble gum and, and two two sodas on that Walmart receipt that, that there's nothing unless they found the bubble gum, you know, wrapper at that yard, then there would be no point in taking that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Especially when they went through the whole his whole apartment from all those from all the items that was in there, they picked a couple of. A couple of items just tells you that those items have something to do with the uh, with the case right exactly and so 
let's what is it that we know of this crime that would lead us to believe uh that there might be um uh, something on those receipts so the walmart one you know the dickies tag that might be some type of coveralls or overalls similar to what these folks are wearing right here right that way um uh, to so that he doesn't discreet any of of hair things of that nature but what else maybe a backpack because there's one thing that bothered me about this case is the fact that there was only one bloody footprint in that house why why don't you i feel like there would be a lot of transfer in and out of that house right exactly that's why in the beginning of this case when we heard well not the beginning but when we heard about the footprint itself it's like why there why not everywhere else where the you know the crime was committed is it's weird it's very weird and it's, maybe they just um it was brought up that maybe he was wearing covers and then like it, huh, they boots. finally got yeah like they finally got soaked through right and then they left the imp impression but even that they wouldn't leave, leave footprints not not real detailed footprints but right some sort of footprint somewhere around the crime scene and for it to be just one and then the whole house is it's crazy to think that 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 nowhere else that they had he left those uh right exactly and so for me to think this i'm thinking he had a bag with him he had a backpack and i think that was what was on one of those receipts and i think he cleaned himself up after the first one to a certain extent maybe even changed boot uh, booties out because um one thing that also sticks out to me is that there isn't a size on the shoe like that would be important that would determine, you know, this person like, hey, we have a, it's a size 11, size 10, whatever the case may be. Right. That would that would sh point the finger at one person. Right. And you don't want to hide that information because it's this the job of the prosecution isn't just to find somebody guilty. It's to find the right person and have them be found guilty. And so if he committed this crime, then those would be shoes that would uh, fit him. You know, perhaps maybe he bought shoes that were larger than than what he would typically wear. But it would be um, very it'd be tough if he was walking around in size eights if he wore 12. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, you know, I found that, in fact, not to be in there. And so I'm feeling that those items. All right. So what is it that we know? We know that he was wearing dark clothing, had a mask over his mouth and nose. We know that a knife sheath was left behind, possibly wearing Vans, um, Vans shoes. All right. So those are the things that we know from the probable cause affidavit that could describe him as far as what he was wearing. Um, I think that what's on those receipts would have to match some or all of those items. What do you guys think? What do you think, Blue? I think you're muted, Blue. Yeah, you're muted. All right, Blue, I'm not, I'm not sure what's wrong, but Jaime, what do you think? Uh, what was it, man? Like, I was coughing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, you know what? I don't even remember my question. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Man. No, no, no. It's cool. It's cool. It's, uh, just basically, those items have to be relative to what's on that receipt. Oh, yeah. I mean, what's on those receipts have to be relative to the to this crime. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're not. I don't like, think it's random. Right. Right. Exactly. Like they didn't just like spin in the circle and point out the items they're gonna take. You know what I mean? There has to, 
there has to be some type of evidence connected to it. Yeah. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And uh, we have some we have some other creators in the, in the house. Thank you, Publicly Buzz, for showing up. Uh, uh, we also have, I know I was on Jay's for Justice earlier. I was in her live chat listening to to her, to to her show. Um, she said she might be in here, so I'm not sure if she is. If she is awesome, you know, look forward. But this is Dr. Thrifty. I've also a subscriber of these guys as well. Uh, he says, Daniel, if you want, if he was to leave any blood on the uh, gas or brake pedal inside the car, would it still be there 45 days later? Walmart receipts could be of new floor mats. That's true too. Um, the floor mats are possible. Uh, blood, sh if it was on the gas pedal or the brakes, I mean, I know blood can stay there a while and the DNA will be there a minute. That long, 45 days, I think it would still be on there unless you like completely uh, like rubbed it off after a while. Yeah, because I mean, there, there's been blood and stuff that's been found like in drains and stuff like yeah. days later, and they had you know things going through them. Not uh, only that, but like um, also like it was snowing and stuff. So when you get sh snow on your shoes, and probably rub off with the water after a while. But I don't know if it'll stay there even after it's been use 45 days you know what i mean yeah especially yeah. because we heard that you know we heard that that he cleaned his car real 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 well at one point yeah well um, you know i i'll go ahead blue i said i know what, what went wrong with my mic earlier I, I had unmuted myself but i also had turned my mic off so. <laughs> you probably you probably um turned it off when you were doing your magic mic show earlier today <laughs> for the members for the members for the members only for the members only um now we know that you know there was there was footage of, of, of brian Kovacher getting pulled over and everybody looks at his car for being dirty but if you look at the inside of that car it looked pretty clean to me the outside especially compared to how bad the outside was compared you know, to the truck yeah i mean you look at the exterior though it was just full of mud full of dirt and the inside looked pretty clean now he was they were traveling across country at this point they'd already made it to indiana um through dirt and you know those northern states uh throw salt on the ground things of that nature to prevent you know ice and whatnot and so those things will build up and and, and accumulate on the, on the exterior of the vehicle so i'm not ex i'm not surprised that during that drive that it got dirty i'm more surprised at how clean the interior looked and you know Things that bother me about this case is that, like they they saw him throwing trash away, things of that nature, right? But they none of the trash that they found had any evidence of cleaning supplies being cleaned with things. Uh, it would that would be a huge circumstantial piece of evidence to say, you know, we found um, bleach with this ammonia and this that and a third and a bunch of chemicals that are typically used mm -hmm. to destroy blood evidence that's not the case either not but, saying he's, he's 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 not the guy just not per, the case peroxide is a good a good um chemical to use right yeah oh big boot yeah it kind of like turns into like uh starts dissolving it and turns it into like foam it breaks mm. it up we use it a lot when we watch the, 
the bloody blankets and towels. Now, I'm, I, see, I don't have any expertise in forensics or things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you would, Blue. Do you know that if, you know, if somebody used bleach or peroxide on some uh, on blood, would it still not be able to be pulled up through black light or amino black things of that nature? I think it it wouldn't it wouldn't show as much because uh, I know we use some pretty strong disinfectants and then we use black lights when we uh, when we look into people's eyes mm-hmm. uh, when they're trying to find informed bodies in there. And I don't see blood splatter all over the room when I'm shining the black light in there. So, well, you have to you have to spray luminol or something like that. I think that's what it's called on top of it first. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Black light itself, yeah, black light itself won't won't bring it up. There's a spray. I think it's called luminol. And and what it does is when it comes in contact with um, like blood, semen, uh, fluids, things of, of that type of nature, uh, it'll it'll brighten it up on the black light. There it is. Luminol. Somebody put on there that I'm a doctor. I'm not a doctor, no. I just work he with just, doctors. He works with them. He played one on TV. We have a thousand people in the live chat and only 369 likes. What's going on there, man? Let's get that over 500. Come on, y'all. Um, let's see. But let's uh, let's watch this video real quick. And it's a short one. This one's also from the sales on this one's going to have the volume on. So if you guys can mute. All right. Got it. His credit card. There was four purchases on his credit card that he did not. He didn't do the transaction. So we traced the IP address. And we believe that it's a classic case of identity theft here. Put the siren on. We're here because we traced the IP to your house and um, we're trying to get to the bottom of where these purchases came from. We have one of the stolen items that the suspect purchased, we've recovered. He purchased this stuff online, but he doesn't Do you own a laptop at all? So I believe the only reason I wanted to bring that up is that, you know, these guys go through different circumstances, things of that nature. Uh, This was also taken during the time that Brian Koberger was attending uh, DeSales University. I don't think I saw him in the background, but I did look pretty hard for him during when I was watching these. Um, I got one more for you guys, and then we'll talk about about this next one. More importantly, uh, especially for you, Jaime. And then, um, and then we'll take some phone calls. So don't go anywhere, y'all. Oh, we got a new member. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Uh, Mikey S. Thank you for joining. Thank you. Thank Uh, you. 
<laughs> I saw footage that never been released regarding the Immaculate Deception. Ball ricocheted off of Fuqua's helmet. Hey, um, Danny, I was going to ask you, hey, did um, they ever reach out to you for that um, that hat? Oh, yes, yes, yes. We did get reached out for the hat, unfortunately, for Queen of the People, and she was okay with it. We're going to send her a sticker. Uh, she is one of our international members and overseas, and it's unable to get the hat out there. So we will be redoing the hat giveaway this Friday night on our members-only show. So if you're interested in being in the drawing for the hat, become a member. I think we only had like 12 people yeah participated in the last drawing for the hat so mm -hmm. you'll have a you have a good chance you'll have a good chance and so this is the uh the other best for last in my opinion when it comes to this uh series of videos this one has sound so we'll meet tonight is the DeSales forensic forum in its 15th year and this time we decided to have a panel of speakers, all of whom have spent considerable amount of time speaking with serial killers. I'm representing a serial killer that I talked to for five years, Dennis Rader, the BTK killer. Martha Elliott will talk about her experience of 10 years of correspondence with a serial killer, Michael Ross. And Tony Mioli will talk about the many serial killers he has talked with, and he also has clips from some of his interviews that he will be playing here. When we started the Forensic Forum, we had an idea of making it a community event. So we wanted students to be able to see world-renowned speakers in the field of forensics, but also we wanted the community to come in. It's a great gathering of people who are interested in the topic of forensics, who want to hear people who are genuinely involved in this field so they can see the truth behind all the TV shows. We've had FBI profilers, we've had forensic nurses, forensic artists, um, anthropologists, all kinds of people from various areas of forensics come here to our stage to talk about their expertise. So, oh, I know what you were hearing. Blue, you weren't muted. <laughs> There he goes. He got he got he got kicked out for it too. Um, so there was a lot of talk there about uh, serial killers and different killer the different um, different meetings that they had with different authors that had a lot of time with serial killers. Now this is this is this these are forums and these are um, meetings that I am fairly positive that Brian Koberger attended while at the Sales University. And I think there's a little bit of a correlation when we look at the way and how this crime was committed with some potential um, links to maybe a fascination with, um, you know, serial SKs. And so first and foremost, uh, BTK, Jaime, what are the similarities between this incident, if this is Brian Koberger's first time, and BTK, in your opinion? Uh, I mean, what... Well, BTK's first crime was uh, a family, um, mm -hmm. the Otero family. So it's four people: uh, mom, the, the dad, the mom, and the kids, right? Right. Um, obviously, they weren't the same age. They weren't the same age as the ones, you know, the people from Idaho, the kids from Idaho. But that had the same similarities. Um, <clears throat> more. I think they are, they started around the same time too, around the same age. I want to say I believe, 
I think I want to say that um, BTK started around 27, 28, I want to say that. Right. And I believe Goldberg's 20, 28, 28. Right? Mm-hmm. 28. I mean, obviously, you know, this case, um, they always have these kind of um, fantasies since the beginning, like, you know, earlier in age. Um, and they finally, they usually start after they move out and they're on their own. You know what I mean? Right. Because they have like so many restrictions while they're still either living with under somebody's you know supervision. Right. But um, but they always have these fantasies. Um, I don't know. At this point, we don't have enough evidence on um, Brian Colbert or his um, you know his past history. You know, um, we we do on on um, SKs now. We do. You know, we have their history of how they what they went through, what kind of trauma, what triggers them. Uh, you know, maybe later on in the future, if it does come out, you know, his history with, um, you know, his mental health, Brian Colbert's mental health, his trauma, past traumas. I mean, even, even it comes down to even head injuries, you know, for sure. Yeah. Um, then we can make a better, uh, a better, better, better profile to see if he could have been, if not caught, he could have done more, more crimes like these. Right, right, right. Thank you, Mikey S, for the $2 Knut Bucks. That's what we're going to call them. Yeah, Super yeah. chat here for the GOAT 100% and things of that nature. I heard there's a co- there's a drinking game based on me saying that. You're muted. You're muted. What? There's a, there's a drinking game uh-huh. uh, that I've heard where people consume alcohol when I say oh. things of that nature. <laughs> so, there, there should be one on me when I say... Uh... Um, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, um, you know, when it comes to Koberger and it comes to this case, you know, I found a lot of similarities. You know, BTK, you know, like you mentioned, the same age, you know, the the, the fact that there was four victims in both situations on the first time. Um, to me, you know, you know, BTK called his, you know, his, his subjects projects. And so to me, this sort of feels like, you know, given his history and his criminology classes, that he's trying to fulfill something that he's not understanding based on uh, his inability to to have not committed the crime. Right. And then you have. Um, so I feel very much that this is some kind of like project to him as well. Then you have serial killers such as um, Ted Bundy, who also hit a sorority house. Right. Yeah, yeah, in in Florida, I believe. In Florida, but he also started off in Washington, so there's some similarities there. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, a lot of folks have been talking about, and this is where we're going to go a little bit down into the, uh, this is a little bit down the rabbit hole, y'all, so this is going to be a a trigger warning. Uh, This is um, speculation, 100%, right? So there's been a lot of talk about a co-defendant and and an informant, right? There's some we we talked to Murder Sheet not too long ago where uh, Kevin Greenlee he's a uh, he's a uh, an attorney we were asking him about the co-defendant and he mentioned uh, uh, some terminology that was in there and then apparently the state doesn't have to divulge anybody that they don't plan on using in court and I asked the uh, attorney Kevin Greenlee if that verbiage would be used 
if the person that they had as an informant or, or, or whatnot is no longer here, if this person has been deceased, not going down any rabbit holes or not, but he did mention, yeah, that that would be the case. And so um, that sparked up a lot of things like, whoa, can there or is there a co-defendant in this case? Um, you know, we have a poll going on right now. Did Brian Koberger act alone? 44% say yes. That's huge. 47% say no, that they believe wow. something else was involved. And 10% think that Koberger is innocent. Whoa. We have a thousand, over a thousand people in the chat. We've had over 3,100 people come through at this point yeah. and have participated in this poll. So this is not a uh, 30 person poll. <laughs> yeah, that's almost, that's, that's down the middle almost, man. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. And, um, you know, that just kind of, I mean, that concerns me a little bit. And, you know, we don't have all the evidence. We don't know everything that the police have. And I'm sure they have yeah. a lot more. But when they use certain terminology, they do certain things, certain stuff comes out. It makes you question. Now, put one for yes, two for no. Should we go down the, the, the rabbit hole as far as who we, if there's a possibility of a co-defendant, who might be those co-defendants? Put one for yeah, put two for no. And if yeah. Uh, we'll talk about the uh, the usual suspects um, and how they might be involved. And if not, we'll start taking phone calls. So we'll leave it in, put it into the live chat. And so a lot of ones. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of ones, a lot of ones. All right. So what's it called? Um, oh, well, I, was thinking, I was thinking about right now. And when you asked me about uh, BTK and uh, Brian, if Brian's the one who did it. Um, and both and the another similarity is that in both crimes there were like close contract like you know close contact crimes mm -hmm. you know? i mean he didn't shoot anyone you know they're face-to-face kind of more personal and that's mm -hmm. just exactly what you know btk would do is more personal i mean he used strangulation most of the time right right so that's up and personal like up up to people's though the victims hands-on kind of thing not not from far away so that's more that's what I, what I see as a similarity between both of them if brian is the one got you got you got you yeah yeah no you're absolutely right you're absolutely right i mean there's so many similarities and it, to me it feels like um like he's just copying and you know maybe even fascinated with um with this case and and with serial killers in general and so we got a lot of ones. We're going to go through this. We'll break this down real quick. Um, we didn't put this together, but I felt we could talk about it. So let's look at the map first and foremost. There's there's a guy, I'll just call him BK. He has the same initials as Brian Koberger, but a different guy. He was the guy that was taken out um, by SWAT when he threatened to take out the uh, roommates, his roommates, right? Now, he's a guy that a lot of folks look at as far as being a possible suspect or a possible accomplice in this case. Let's look at the possibilities there. All right. So um, Brent, he apparently, I think, was a security guard at WSU. 
And so there might be some kind of similarity there. There might be some kind of connection to, to Brian and Brent there. And the fact that there's terminology in the, um, uh, in, in the court documents that state that they don't have to bring anybody forward, um, that they don't plan on using in court. And the, and the fact that he's uh, passed away, he might fit that criteria. The only other piece of evidence that I see is Brian Kohlberger's Via Gory, White Hyundai Elantra, is seen traveling, you know, between here, right, on uh, on Southeast Nevada Street. We know that from the probable cause affidavit from the uh, surveillance video that they have. Now, it's parked there for about nine to ten minutes somewhere in this area. The only thing that could potentially connect anybody is the fact that I believe it was right here is where Brent lives. And so he lives just a little bit over a tenth of a mile, less than a quarter mile away from that street where um, the white Elantra was seen. Now, this guy's suffered from severe PTSD. He had a brain, uh, a head injury during war. I believe that's what I read. And, you know, he, he got the SWAT team called on him and and he pointed at a, or he started firing. From what I read was he fired some, fired his weapon and they had to take him out. And so, um, unfortunate, sad event completely, but that is the evidence that's possibly out there that could put him there. Do you guys think that there's enough there to say that he's some sort of accessory? I don't think so. What do you think, Jaime? Yeah, no, no, I really don't think so. Um, at least not to this point, you know, right? Um, it all depends, uh, you know, in discovery, what other evidence or what other people might be connected if there is people's connection with this right right what about you big boo yeah i mean you think in, in dylan's story there'd be two people that, that they saw that right say. right and so the next person um give me one second i'm gonna pull his name because i know his name is jason i can't remember or jake or something like that uh <laughs> Um, but there was another guy. He, he's the guy who had, he had stabbed his wife or he was attempting to stab his wife. He stabbed himself. Right. And, um, he ended up going to jail. He was a convicted, he had been convicted of, of, um, of murder in the past, only served like two years and then got probation, which is weird on that. He lives in this trailer park down here south he lives very close he lives in this trailer park south of where the victim's house was on king road in the same direction that the elantra would have been traveling to get to, you know uh, um, when it was seen heading southbound out of the uh out of the, uh, the neighborhood um he's another guy that's come up as a possible suspect this guy is a convicted felon he is a guy that convicted that was convicted of a violent crime he may be a guy that um that may have taken the survey uh that brian koberger put out now brian koberger has been a guy that has been um stated to have uh, be chatty things of that nature try to make friends uh, maybe he made a friend with the wrong guy um but outside of the fact that this guy has a history 
has committed a crime, a heinous crime. He he uh, he shot and killed somebody. Um, he did turn a knife on himself and threatened his wife with it. Do you guys see the, him as being a possible connection? We'll start off with you, Big Blue. Let me turn off the mic a little bit because they say they can't hear me. Um, I think he's more of a possibility than than the first guy. Um, I think he, he had a violent crime history, and looks like he has an alcoholic problem. Maybe he has a drug problem. We don't know, but maybe that's another connection that him and Brian had. And this what is all I, speculation, guys. So. Yes, one hundred percent speculation. We're just talking about it. Um, what do you think, Hyman? Um, I think what Blue said about, you know, his past criminal history, it kind of tends you to point you in that direction, um, especially when the other um, people don't have that, you know, that uh, serious criminal backgrounds. It kind of right. wants you, it, it, it wants to push it in that direction. But I mean, he, he does have more, I guess you can say he has some ex- Unfortunate experience with that kind of crime, I guess you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, man. It's like uh, if I was to say if he was part of it or it had a connection, I would have to say no. Yeah, I, I, I think so. You guys, um, just kind of speaking with yourselves, uh, do you guys think that he did it on his own, or do you think there's a possibility that he was with some that it was someone else? I want to say, in my opinion, he did it by himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, just by, there were no other footprints. There was oh, open, like hardly any footprints. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> like, the, the, the part that does gave me, though, is when he was arrested, he, he did ask if anybody else was arrested. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's the part that, that throws me off. Yeah, they maybe, definitely did ask a lot or, or imply that there was somebody else. Maybe they didn't go inside. Maybe they drove for him. Right. Yeah. yeah. Could be. Um, I, I, I think I think he did it by himself to a point, right? Um, I guess you could say, like, you know, you say he might have done it by himself because of a lack of evidence inside the house. You know, with more people, with more accomplices, the risk is higher, right? Obviously. Yeah, that's true. But then you go back and you see how long it took them to go from room to room and do all this damage. And it just kind of, you know, it's just, it kind of makes you think that it might have been someone else too. So it's like, uh, I don't know. But if if everything that the cops or the law enforcement have uh, as evidence towards him and no one else that we know of, um, at this point, I think it's just a, a lone wolf. No, I agree. I agree. Now, the last person, you know, the third and final person that I guess has come up on everybody's radar as far as a possible uh, accomplice is Enon Harsh, the neighbor, the fire stick juggler. You know, he had some pretty crazy things that he wrote out and put out there on Reddit uh, that he has verified that he put out there on Reddit, including a past that was filled with hard drugs and felony arrests and robbery and things of that nature. Um, take a drink. And, um, <laughs> um, you know, he, he, he described 
some things is sloppy. He talked about people not being in his life anymore. He talked about, you know, interacting with the the victims of the residents where to me, it almost quite, I almost questioned if that interaction ever happened. It was one where he was talking about, you know, handing over a wine bottle. He talked about it in, you know, in two different, he described it two different ways, one in his writing and one during an interview, mm-hmm. he talked about handing it over, you know, when he saw them outside and he talked about other circumstances revolving around it, that the story changed regardless of what it was. I can't remember off the top of my head, but the story changed. And, it made me believe that he was just making it up that maybe perhaps it was just something in his head. Now there was one thing that kind of not bothered me, but there's one thing that kind of sticks out to me. And that is the fact that this was a busy weekend. They didn't have a party. It was noticeably quiet. Enon Harsh and other, other uh, neighbors had came forward and said that it was noticeably quiet that night. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this was the last home game for the Vandals. Uh, I think a lot of people would have expected there to be a party there that night or a lot of parties that night. In fact, they had a saying, win or lose, there's always booze. And so this was a party town. Um, how did Brian Koberger know when he knew that there was uh, it was clear to go on that time and that day? You know what I'm saying? That there wasn't a party going on at that time. Maybe because somebody that lives close told him. You know, but yeah. outside of that, I'm not seeing a lot there to, to put in there. What do you guys think? We'll start off with you, Hannah. Um, no, nah, man. Um, I remember that story. I mean, the story that he said that he uh, he was throw away a wine bottle or something, and he offered to offer it to uh, to the victims, right? And they took yeah. it. You know, it's, it's hard to believe that somebody just <laughs> out of the freaking shadows comes out and asks them if they want. Some wine and they accepted it, you know. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, and I don't like. I don't see him interacting with the victims. You know, what I mean, I think he was probably trying to inject himself into the story. You know, and maybe like you know, benefit out of it. Maybe. Yeah, it definitely seemed that way. He talked about his YouTube channel and he's talked about. Um... You know, him going forward with uh, teaching people how to fire stick and this, that, and the third. And so, um, yeah, it did look like maybe perhaps he was trying to get his five minutes of fame. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did definitely interject himself into the uh, into the uh, the investigation. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to open up the phone lines. Um, I'm about to turn off the do not disturb. And the way this is going to work, y'all, is... Well, first and foremost, um, you Jaime and Blue will be able to hear you guys. Um, y'all, you know, the callers will not be able to hear Jaime and Blue. So when you do call in, uh, leave us your question or your statement. We're then going to put the phone back on Do Not Disturb and hang up. And then me, Jaime and Blue are going to discuss the uh, statement and or question. And then we'll open up the phone lines again. We're going to do this on every single one of them. Um, that way um, we have a, a brief conversation about what is said. And so phone lines are now open. Please, if you guys are wanting to call in, the phone number is 726-202-4054. Then the phone lines are open. And so uh, don't forget about that case that we wanted to tell everybody about. Thank you so much, Blue. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Yep, yep, yep. 
Let me let me pull that up here in a second. Thank you so much for that. And so we we got um we had a, a, a one of our one of our viewers reach out to us and inform us about a current missing woman case out of uh, Clinton, Arkansas. Um, Chelsea Woods. She's been missing for a little bit um, since August of 2022. Uh, if you guys have seen her or have any information about this, please contact your local authorities. There's some suspicion, suspicious uh, circumstances around her disappearance. Five yeah. foot, 380 pounds, brown hair, brown eyes. This is her. Um, if you have any tips or whatnot, please contact your local authorities. If you uh, don't want to contact them and, and you know, you don't trust police and want to contact us, we'll do it for you. No problem. Email us. How, how old is she? Um, oh, man. Uh, I know I saw it earlier. Let me see. I, I have the the actual picture. Let me see. Uh, we have a caller coming in. But this is her. She. Um, it doesn't say her age, but this is her. This is a, uh, a search that's going to be going on here pretty soon, March 4th. Now I'm going to answer this call, guys. Do it. Let's do it. Oh, man, they hung up right when I answered. <laughs> Sorry about that, Daniel. Uh, at least that's call what your name was. Call again. Call again. There's another call. Danny calling. You know what? I'm going to call him back. Yeah, this is the it. second time we do this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, it's busy. They're probably calling us back. I'll let you call us back. I'll let you call. There it is. There it is. There it is. Daniel, Daniel, Daniel. Welcome to the Drunk Turkey Show. Oh, snap. Oh. They hung up on me. <laughs> oh. Oh. We got another one coming in. We got another one coming in. Oh, Welcome Hello. to the Drunk Turkey Show. This is Daniel. Uh, Hi, Daniel. Who, who am I speaking with? My name is Sierra. How's it going, Sierra? Um, what are your um, thoughts and theories on the case? Okay, so um, I just think that um, it's super suspicious that Enon wanted all the attention on him in the beginning. Um, and then now he's super silent, even if I've seen someone say that he might be like a witness to the case, but even so, even if he's turned, you know, um, as a state's witness, he's still involved, you know, and lied about it. He, there's just too many, um, similarities and coincidences. And then also he said that in the beginning of one of his, his first interview, he said that he worked in Coeur d'Alene and that the person that he worked with um, went to school with some of the victims. Not sure exactly who, but that he did say that. He also, if you remember in the very beginning, people were saying that there was a person who worked, a guy who worked in a restaurant that was super sketchy and was acting and like he had a knife. And then after the murders, the knife was gone. Um, and then that just like disappeared. I think that maybe that was Enon. He also worked in a restaurant. I just think there's too many similarities. Also, now he's gone. You know, he only rented that apartment next to the girls for four months, and now he's moved, and he's silent. It's just way too many coincidences with the drug use to just everything. It's just, it's, Enon has rubbed me the wrong way since the very first time I ever saw him on his first interview. And every post has read me the wrong way. And I'm not going to get into much detail, but I can tell you as a victim of, you know, something incredibly violent in the past, I have this like 
you know, intuition that just picks, I'm, I'm very skeptical of people. And like, I feel like now I've been blessed with this gift that tells me, hey, that person's bad because of what happened to me prior. I'm super aware of my, you know, surroundings and how I read other people. And he is just all the way around made me sick. Um, I think that he shows signs of Jupiter's delight in his interviews. He smiles, um, especially also another thing when he says that he thinks if it was a very strong man and someone that used a more blunt object. I've always, always thought that there were more than one attacker, more than one weapon, and that one of them might have been an axe. And so when he said blunt object, it just struck a chord with me like, holy crap, maybe he's talking about, you know, an axe. Maybe they withheld details from the public about exactly what weapon was used on what victim yeah 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 you know for me uh when we read and so uh his reddit post and when we saw what he was saying in, in interviews he definitely um sparked an interest in our eyes we thought that um you know a lot of it was super suspicious uh you bring up some great points me and the guys are going to talk about it uh, thank you so much for okay. calling um sierra thank you. right thank you. yeah thank you god bless y'all thank you you Thanks have a for your hard one. work <laughs> no problem thank okay. you Matt. thank you thank you great caller great caller uh everybody thinks everybody that calls is kim i see a lot of people saying is that kim is that you <laughs> no that that's not kim guys um what do you guys think before we take another call um you know super sketchy in and harsh do you think you know i, I know we we talked about him early on yeah. And we also thought that there was a possibility that he was um, somewhat, maybe had some information about this. What do you think, Jaime? Um, I'm going to go with my, my 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 first statement where I said that, you know, I think he's just trying to get a little bit of fame out of it. Um, mm -hmm. But um, when, when it comes down to law enforcement, uh, law enforcement do not, they, they tend to keep stuff, um, you know, certain specific situations that, Let's say if a different weapon was used, they'll probably keep that. Yeah, uh, because you know you'll be amazed how many people like confess to these kind of crimes. Like it's it's, it's crazy, man. I've seen a lot of a lot of cases where people come out of the woodwork, man, trying to take uh, credit for crimes like this, and you know then law enforcement asks them exactly what happened, and their their story doesn't match, and they end up clearing them you know what i mean but it's 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 crazy i don't know how people can just go and, and confess to crimes that didn't commit commit right yeah right oh <laughs> thank you sierra for for clearing that up uh that called it definitely not kim no that was not kim <laughs> yeah, yeah I was gonna say, that's not kim for sure that's not kim yeah i yeah. know kim's voice yeah well blue i'm sure I'm, I'm surprised you remember a lot from the last time that we spoke to kim um, you were pretty. You were pretty. You were pretty toasty. My tolerance is getting up there, man. It's getting up there. Sky's <laughs> uh, the limit. Sky's the limit. Phone lines are back on. I know I had a couple calls in there. Phone lines are back on, so give us a call. <laughs> and here it comes in. Daniel's coming in. Yeah. Hello, Daniel. Welcome to the show. This Hi, it's Amy. It's that the phone isn't in my name. Oh. Um, <laughs> No, you know, um, I'm I'm gonna have a three totally different opinion. 
the, the, I'm just, I'm not going by the evidence, but if you look at the psychology of um, Dee Bryan, he's more like the loner type and didn't seem to have any kind of personal relationships with people. So my, my biggest, um, you know, thing that I don't see how he is, how could he have made a friend or somebody to go along and do something with him like this? If he doesn't have many friends, if he's socially awkward for the other people, you know, you've seen interviews stating that he didn't have a girlfriend and, you know, just the things that you've seen on online about him. I don't see how he could have teamed up with somebody with his, his social skills and, and how he could have gotten someone to go along with him to commit a crime like this. So that, that's just my opinion. If you look at his psychological profile and, um, you know, and then, and then I'm a nurse, you know, the, the blood does get removed by um, hydrogen peroxide, but I'm not sure about whether or not it will totally denature the protein in the blood to really um, not be able to be seen with a, with a luminal light source. Mm-hmm. Um, I would ha- you'd have to really look at the um, at a, like a chemistry um, you know textbook or something like that. But but just that's just my opinion about the psychological makeup of this particular person, and I don't see how he could be able to make an alliance with somebody with his social skills. And that that's all. That's just my opinion. And have a good night. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate the call. Take, take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. So great caller. Uh, real quick, Deplorable Golden comes in with a $20 super chat. Thank you so much. She said, nope, it wasn't Kim. I watched the first episode again last night. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. That also wasn't Kim, y'all. Um, <laughs> I feel like I have to say that every time a woman calls that we, we have to clarify. Right. Kim. Um, so you, she's saying that she she has a hard time you know, believing that uh, that Brian Koberger could have been a guy that could have found somebody to to go on, you know, some type of spree with him. The the one thing that I'll, I'll say about that is that he, yes, that's true, you know, but he was also associating himself around people who were um, probably, you know, if, that were committing crimes. And when I say that, I'm talking about the survey, mm-hmm. you know, he was having conversations with some of these people uh, whoever you know entered the survey, whoever filled in the questionnaire, and whoever he made contact with, uh, mm-hmm. is it possible that he made you know came in contact with somebody who committed you know that was on this survey who committed a violent crime, who also has you know social awkward skills, things of that nature, another drink, and <laughs> um, you know maybe perhaps they became a friend, uh, the friend in the wrong place, possibly. I mean I don't know, it but. Could- it could be. Yeah. I mean, you got you got uh, uh, take take for example Charles Ang and Leonard Ake. You know, what I mean, um, they were they met they met over uh, a personal ad, and they became um, SKs. Um, yeah. Um. They 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 they, you know, unalived a lot of people in Cali, um, mm-hmm. Lake Tahoe around Lake Tahoe. Uh, you know, and they they met and they um they went they, they did horrible things to their victims. So, and then this this is just one example. There's um even there's couples that you know married couples you know that that done done things together. So I would him finding someone with the same you know fantasies or same urges 
in this kind of in this crime it's not out of the question you know what i mean yeah exactly you bring up some fascinating great points in that you know and he was putting himself out there on reddit forums to to be in contact with people like that you know what i'm saying i mean he was look he was seeking out people that committed crimes so that he can understand what it was that they were feeling during the commission of those crimes mm -hmm. and so you're absolutely right you're absolutely right uh, i'm gonna turn the phones back on and we'll probably do this for another you know 15 minutes or so 20 minutes Big Blue had to go to work, y'all. So he did get kicked off again, but he is also going to work. Um, phone lines are open, so whenever you guys are ready. I know we had a couple missed calls. I apologize for those. I don't know. I don't know about you, man, but I'm pretty sure the chat wouldn't mind um, Blue leaving his um, camera on while he changes into his work clothes. I'm sure. Ah, that's for the members only, though. <laughs> members only. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Big Blue, he's he's a good guy. He's got to go to work. He's got to take care of business. He's uh he works the night shift at a at a hospital. So, um, yeah. not gonna mention which one because we don't want anybody anybody showing up and harassing him. Um, no, but, I, don't the, I don't think they'll. Well, maybe they might not harass him, but convince him. Nah. <laughs> big Blue, Big Blue, you're my boy, Blue. Um, what is there? Oh, and we also have a new segment that we're going to be deploying out here in a little bit later on before the end of the show as well, that we're going to be ending our shows on. So I'm excited to pull that out as well. Uh, let's see. The phone lines are open. Make sure. Yeah. Not on Do Not Disturb. So we'll take a couple more calls. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, you know, for the most part, I want to say that this is a one man show. Um but the other thing that bothers me, this is what really bothers me. There's a lot of shit that bothers me in this case. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, I look at Richard Allen's case and there's not that much shit that bothers me in that one. But this one there is. There's a fact, lack of scratches, scars, things of that nature. There's a lot of people that came in contact with him shortly after this incident. Right. Mm -hmm. You're talking about his students. You're talking about a doctor's office. You're talking about a barber that have cut his hair all pretty, pretty soon after uh, this incident had occurred. Yeah. And nobody comes forward saying that they saw scratches on his face or neck, arms, none of those things. I think the only thing they, they did mention was that he was, he was acting a little bit, I guess, erratic at some point. They said that his behavior changed. Like a little, now, yeah, kind of changed from what it was common to see him as, right? Right, right. And um, the reason being is so they said that he was being very tough and on grading and then he changed. It was very easy. And he was a hard, you know, like a weird person and just very tough. Right. But. But and this is where, um, you know, people look at this like, oh. We, we have an angle. We're looking at he got fired from his TA job. He was under pressure. That's what committed made him commit this issue. Yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe, you know, if I was his defense team, what I'm going to say is and point at is that he did not. He did not change. You know, um, he didn't get fired until after the incident. You know, he was under review. Apparently he, he was changing his attitude and changing something because 
in that letter, it stated that the one that was released from Ashley Banfield and News Nation on uh, his termination was that, you know, shortly after the commission of the crimes that they had told him that they've seen improvement in his in his behavior. So there's an answer to why he was acting that way. And it's pretty rational to me. He was being tough. They told him to line up. So he changed it around. Now, is it just coincidence that that happened around the time of the incident? Maybe they had that they had that meeting with him on November 2nd, 3rd, yeah. somewhere around there. So it was before the incident. And then the follow up wasn't until December 7th or 9th. And so that was afterwards. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so. um <sighs> You know, like I said, just it's one of those things that I feel um, there's some questions there. It, it bothers me. I don't like things that bother me. I like I don't like loose ends, so to speak. I like to, you know, say, hey, you know what? This guy's traveling from this direction. Why? Oh, he was over here discarding evidence, picking up somebody, picking up a weapon, um, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I don't like the fact that. Like he's traveling from east to west when Pullman, Washington is west of Moscow. Why is he traveling from that direction? That bothers me. The other question, like similar to um, Richard Allen and his travels too. But we have another caller coming in. Let's answer that. Welcome to the Drunk Turkey Show. You're live on air. Who are we speaking with? Uh, Nate. Hey, Nate. How's it going? What are your thoughts and theories on the case? I'm doing good. Uh, so I had a couple thoughts, uh, theories. First of all, I think the, uh, I think the two chicks that were alive, um, have way more to do with it, uh, than they're letting on because for number one, the second Bethany, I think she was the second female, they're basically saying nothing about, and then the first one, you know, supposedly is now an eyewitness. Uh, I heard another theory possibly that Dylan's father had a place in Utah. It happened to be close by the route or was on the route that Brian took to go to Pennsylvania, like the roundabout route. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Of all the places in the United States for a dad to have a, a business who was happened to be in a city that Brian, Kober, Brian Koberger went through on his way to Pennsylvania on a six hour, you know, roundabout way. Um, but I think drugs have something to do with it because I think it's kind of um, dumb to overlook the fact that, you know, at least two, I, th I, th I thought it was three, but definitively two uh, of the mothers of these victims were unfortunately facing felony, uh, misdemeanor and felony drug charges. And uh, I think that's a big deal, especially with some of the first reporting, I, I tend to believe more on Brian than some of the stuff that's coming out now. I think the News Nation thing is kind of set up to be, uh, I don't know, it just seems like a, it seems like a skit to me. It doesn't seem, it doesn't seem legit at all. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, some of the early stuff about him, you know, used to be on drugs and and all that. But I think that's there's got to be something more to that. But uh, it's definitely a weird case and. Um, you know, I just hope uh, hope he gets the benefit of the doubt at least to get a fair trial because in this, you know, 
our judicial system isn't perfect, but it's a hell of a lot better than there are a lot of other countries. And uh, yeah, we got to preserve that constitution in our constitution, you know. No, yeah, for sure. 100%. Um, yeah. Now, th- that's come up quite a bit, you know, as far as the uh, the drug aspect and the possibility of that being um, a situation that um, plays a role in this uh, in this case. Um, I appreciate the, your call. Um, thank you so much. We're going to comment and we're going to talk about, the, about your comment. Yeah. One one uh, last thing I wanted to add real quick is um, some of firemen in the I, I I go on to uh, some app. Uh, it's called like Broadcastify, and you can pull up like 911 stuff. And I noticed that they took off Latah County. I don't know when, but I went back on uh, the Wayback Machine, and prior to the murders, it was still on there. So they pulled the entire county's 911 feed off of Broadcastify, so you can't even you can't stream any of it now. And uh, the other thing is every single person, I know like any murder that we go to, even as a, fire, as a fireman, mm-hmm. like the police have to document our name, everything. Like anybody who steps inside, matter of fact, like not very long after this happened, we had a murder happen actually right across the street from our fire station. And uh, when we responded to it, um, uh, the one of the guys actually stepped, put one foot in, inside the door. And so automatically the cops are like, okay, we got to get yeah, you know, and all for their reports. So if there was anybody in there, or I mean, all these other people, hopefully that'll all come out, uh, these other friends or whatever. So anyway, uh, thanks, fellas. Uh, you guys do an awesome job. So take it easy. Thank you so much. And thank you for your service as well. Uh, Golden says that as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, let me uh, put this on Do Not Disturb. Sorry, I muted him. I had a cough and I'm about to mute myself again. Oh, yeah. Cough it up, baby. <laughs> and, um, man, I got an itch in my throat. <laughs> All right. So, you made it so easy for a comment there, man. No, I know, man. I stepped in it. But so, <laughs> he's saying that there's a possibility of drugs going on. Let's talk mm-hmm. about that real quick. So, <clears throat> me personally, my opinion on it are that there's two things can be right at the same time. Um, there could be drugs that have been in that house that have been used by some of the persons that are reside or, or visited that home throughout any period of time and then not be related directly. And so what I'm saying is, um, I personally, I don't think this was a drug deal gone bad. I think that if drugs played a role potentially and maybe perhaps like i mean we saw how these kids acted when it came to alcohol right you know there was the uh the body cam footage during the parties um these kids wouldn't answer the door to the police they were very hesitant to talk things things like that and so you almost said it you almost said i almost said it almost made everybody drink again and uh with that being said that's another one that i probably drink on um i feel that is it possible that there was drugs in there? Maybe that was the reason why the cops weren't called right away. And those drugs that were in the house had nothing to do with the murders. Probable possible. You know what I'm saying? I personally don't think it's a drug deal gone bad because there would be some type of, um, there would be some type of evidence trail to point in that direction. You know, like for instance, uh, the meetup, the buy, 
things in the past that would lead you to believe that Koberger visited that area for drugs. Now, Enon Harsh talks significantly about the drugs that he's taken and done. Is it possible that maybe perhaps he's facilitated or been around and Brian Koberger has been in that area because of Enon Harsh and possible drug use or sell in that area? Yeah. I mean, it came out very early on that that area, not that house, but that area was known to be in an area where you can score some drugs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so <clears throat> I think it's quite possible. Um, we'll take one more call. If anybody wants to call in, the phone lines are open again. Um, a, uh, a college without drugs or alcohol is not a college at all. No, nah, man. That's well, I was going to say that's basic training of the military, but then I was like, wait, never mind. It's not accurate either. <laughs> well, but uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you're going to, you know, colleges are, you know, known for people to experience, you know, different things. So it wouldn't be uh, out of the question to say there weren't, there was drugs there. You know what I mean? Right. But saying that it was probably the reason that this went down, uh, I don't think I will put my money on that. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't. Is it possible, though? Yeah, it's possible. Is it it's plausible? Possible. I don't know. I mean, you know, the focus point, you know, when I, I read there was a newest Airmail article that came out, and we'll go over that later on this week. Um, but it kind of points the direction that this was more of a uh, social stalking type of thing, uh, you know, that Brian Koberger slid into a couple of, the, you know, slid into the DMs a couple of times to one of the victims. Uh, that lived in the house. He was following all three of the girls that were whose lives were taken. And so it seems like that's the aspect that they're going with. This is a, uh, a virtual type of thing. We have that last call coming in. Let's answer this real quick. Welcome to the Drunk Turkey Show. You're live on the air. Who are we speaking with? Hello? Hello? I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Oh, there you are. Yes. How's it going? Yes, this is Amy. How are you? How's it going, Amy? I'm doing well. Uh, what are your thoughts and theories on the case? Okay, so first off, I was thinking this kind of around the same thing that you were. Is there drugs possibly involved? Could be. But I don't think that it has anything in like a drug deal gone bad or they owed anybody money or anything like that. Um, I'm thinking that uh, more along the lines of maybe Dylan just was really... Maybe she had taken some ecstasy that night, and that's, I mean, if you think about it, it takes a good seven to eight hours for that to completely uh, get out of your system, and so that you're not feeling that effect anymore, and maybe that's why she waited so long to call, because she was afraid if she called while she was messed up that she would get in trouble. I don't know why. I mean, I, I as, as people, we would think not being in that situation that we would call, but we're not in that, we're, or hopefully... We haven't been in a situation like that, so I don't know. But I was thinking that if it does have anything to do with drugs, it would be more along the lines of something like that. But I was curious to know your guys' thoughts on maybe what if Brian was waiting in the house um, that evening before they got home, and the person, they saw his car coming in and out of, the the uh, neighborhood yes but that doesn't necessarily mean he was driving it could have been somebody picking him up or circling around to pick him up he could have been taken over there earlier during the evening by a different totally different vehicle 
I mean, there's all there's just a lot that we still don't know yet, and it's I have a feeling that a lot's gonna come out in the trial, and it, when it does, we're all gonna be shocked and blown away. Sounds good. Thank you so much for your call. We're gonna we're gonna conversate and we're gonna comment on your call and on your on your questions. I appreciate you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Uh huh. Thank you. All right. You have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Great call. Great call. That's gonna do it for us on the calls. We're gonna talk about this one. Um, first and foremost, let's talk about the theory. <clears throat> let's talk about what, what we think went down as far as why, um, it took so long for police to be called. And, you know, she said maybe perhaps Dylan was on drugs that didn't wear off for a few hours. Um, what are your thoughts first and foremost on why it took so long to call police and why police weren't called first? Oh, man. Um, I think, well, to start off, I don't think she was involved. I just think she uh, she didn't act like, no, right. Like, she didn't act, she didn't go straight to the police or she didn't call the police or whatever. But also, like, the the fact, you know, that she did hear a commotion, you know, maybe talking, but not the whole struggling for life, like fighting for your life kind of deal, commotion, like it just it throws everything off at the same time, you know what I mean? But I right. think it's just the fact that she you expect her, like, you know, we, like, as personally, I would say, like, oh, I, I would have called the police if I heard something, right? Right. Like, um, but, like, we weren't in her shoes, too, you know what I mean? At that point, we don't know how we would act in, in her shoes. So I don't think she has like she's not involved in in the crime itself, but I do think that she did uh, act kind of weird. She didn't act right for it. Right, right, yeah. And I mean, here's something. Here's some some real line, real evidence that's in the probable cause that kind of kind of defends Dylan's actions at night. Um, there was audio fifty feet away from Zana's bedroom that was that picked up whimpering, picked up a thud but didn't pick up screams or yells, things, things like that. So it doesn't sound like um, this attack, there was a lot of screaming, which you would assume based on at least Dylan's story that there was two people awake. Yeah. Uh, you, you would assume there would be that, but there's audio that proves that that wasn't there, right? Or at least to our knowledge. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm still on the belief that she didn't know what was going on? She heard the noise. She got up. You know, Ashley Banfield stated that, you know, they had a source that said that she yelled at them to keep it down. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that startled Brian Koberger. Like, oh, snap, somebody's here. You know, I think he was aware of how far, um, you know, that residence was from the police station. Yeah. And, you know, about how much time he had to go. I don't think he probably realized he didn't have enough time to take care of Dylan. You know, he had to get out of there somebody was awake and so i think that my theory is she heard the commotion she yelled she saw this guy just walk out she didn't assume that this guy committed a crime but you know wearing a mask all dark clothing could be you know scare her so she begins to call everybody that was something that ashley banfield or not ashley banfield that was something that ethan's sister-in-law put out there that supposedly was verified through um, Reddit or something like that. That and she came out before 
the probable cause that apparently Dylan had called all of the uh, persons in the house, you know, before calling anybody else. My assumption is that Bethany picked up the phone and that gave her some sort of false security that night as to what had occurred, right? Like, all right, maybe it was just somebody walking around. And so she goes to sleep. She wakes up the next morning. She smells the smell that everybody else talks about. Starts calling people. Nobody's answering again. She's afraid of what she saw. So she calls her neighbor and and Ethan's best friend, Hunter Johnson, comes over, goes upstairs, sees what's happening, is yelling. Perhaps maybe maybe Dylan's already a little bit paranoid. Like, oh, my God, I saw somebody last night in the house. Da, 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 da. Hunter gets he's not he gets scared. Like, what do you mean somebody was in the house? Mm-hmm. Calls Ethan, he doesn't answer, takes off in a rush over to the house, leaves his phone behind, runs upstairs, finds, you know, sees what he sees, and then he yells for Dylan to call 911. And, and that's how the story ends up going. You know, that's my theory on this case up to this point. Yeah. What do you think about that? Uh um I think like even if she did call uh, the neighbor, which was uh, was a hunter, right? Uh, it's just it's it's kind of weird that he used her phone to call nine one one. That is weird. That is weird. I would have, you know, and the, and the reason why I I suspect that he didn't, and the only thing that I can kind of put two and two together is that maybe he had to have had some sort of news that alarmed him to get there fast that made him forget his phone behind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I mean, we all forget our phones sometimes. But most yeah, of the time, we have it on. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, this is also eleven in the morning. So, who's to say that this guy's like completely dressed? He might be wearing some basketball shorts that don't have pockets, things of that nature. Sunday Take morning, drink. Too. Sunday morning, morning glory. And so, um, yeah, yeah, for sure. And so that's my theory on it. Um, we have a. Uh, <laughs> We have a new segment that we're going to be rolling out, y'all. Um, and it's called, uh, well, let's just bring it up. Beware. They lurk everywhere. You can't hide. It's time for a little deck. It's Drunk Turkey Show Dumbass Criminals. So we're going to be talking about some dumbass criminals. We have a segment we call DAC, D-A-C, Dumbass Criminals. And this is how we're going to be ending our live shows every day. If you guys have insight on any dumbass criminals or any stories, please send them over to us at our drunkturkeyshow at gmail.com. And we'll talk about those situations. Our first dumbass criminal is Nelson Walker. He is a Dolphins fan, um, wears a Dolphins jersey everywhere he goes. But he should be wearing a paper bag over his head because Walker, 40, and his friend James A. Hanna, 49, were arrested after they were caught stealing jerseys and hats, putting them in their pants at Dolphin Stadium. And then this dumbass ends up showing up to court in a Dolphins jersey. <laughs> what funny. do you think about that, man? What do you think about this guy? I think that's hella funny, man. I don't know if he... He did it on purpose or, or not, but that's just funny as hell. Oh, yeah, dude. There's there's a lot of funny crimes and a lot of things like that that come out. Mainly a lot of them come out of Florida. 
Uh, in fact, the next one is Florida woman Raquel <laughs> Gonzalez, 24, has been arrested for allegedly assaulting her boyfriend, 30-year-old uh, Ersic Davis, when he had an orgasm and she did not, according to the police report obtained. Uh, you can't, you can't believe oh, it. Oh, man. She, there's a lot of guys that would be assaulted if this ends up being the case. That's all I'm saying. Um, <laughs> it's, it's insane. It's insane. We have another one. There's a lot of these that are coming out of Florida. Uh, I've noticed that. No, no offense to anybody that lives out in Florida. We're not picking yeah, on yeah. anybody out there. But we're not, uh, not going to say we're going we're not going to say Florida anymore. We're going to say Florida. <laughs> so a uh, Florida man tries to pawn stolen jewelry at store managed by a woman whose home he just robbed. Wow. So some criminals are just dumb. Others are incredibly bad luck. 33 year old Nathaniel Coleman of Emokali, Florida. Uh, he pulled off what he seemed to be a successful home robbery and made off with thousands of dollars worth of jewelry, but then made the uh, mistake of attempting to pawn off the stolen goods at the uh, pawn shop in which the owner of the house managed. The victim was arrested and charged. Jeez, man. Imagine, but, imagine you like, man, I, are these my underwear? <laughs> Same stains and everything. You know it, dude. It's it's insane, man. It's insane. We'll do one more. We'll do one more. A Florida woman is in jail after uh, on a battery rap for allegedly striking her boyfriend after. Oh, man, this is another one. This is another one. This is a 50-year-old woman with a 32-year-old boyfriend after he allegedly finished first and stopped pleasuring her. During a mutual oral sex session later last night, <laughs> the victim's home. Jenny Scott, 50, was booked into the uh, Matinee County lockup on misdemeanor charge stemming from a 1, 11 p.m. encounter in the Palomero bedroom of Gilberto de Leon, 32. Scott has dated de Leon for the last five years on and off. Deputies were summoned to Dylan's home by a witness who heard the couple arguing and saw Scott uh, atop de Leon punching and scratching him. She also alleged struck de Leon with a stick and threatened him with a wrench before the tool was taken away from her hands according to witnesses man that's insane dude that is insane these people are insane if you have any dumbass criminals or dumbass criminal stories please email it to us at drunk turkey show at gmail.com we would appreciate that thank you so much florida crime is at a 50 year all-time low Maybe so, maybe so, but <laughs> well, these, well, well, these aren't current, right? These are no. Uh, some of them are. I think one of them was a couple of years back. Yeah, uh, I don't know which which ones. Yeah, so they're not completely current. These were the ones that we could find today. The new segment. Let us know what you think. Yeah, let us know what you think about it. Something we should continue to do. Something we should scratch. I think it's only going to get better with time and with your help. Sending us these dumbass criminals will be able to put this out there. Um, oh, yeah, well, with that yeah. being said, we're over an hour and 30 minutes. Jaime, do you have any last words or statements for everybody out there? Oh man, I just want to say, you know, with the with the case of uh, what's called Nicola 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 Bully, yeah, Nicola Bully. Um, the uh, uh, it's a real sad situation, uh, even also the ones in Idaho, including Delphi. Um, and there's there's other cases that we're going to look into the rule you know it's, it's sad because you know they the people are leaving people behind you know i mean they're suffering and you know they're trying to cope with it and i just want to say you know 
Uh, unfortunately, we're going to be here to cover all those, you know, because unfortunately, it kind of never stops. You know, there's always bad people out there. But I just want to say that, you know, uh, my condolences to all the families that were affected for that. For sure, for sure. Yeah, and 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 I I agree, man. That That's a sad, sad situation. I mean, you know, a lot of the stuff that we talk about is a sad situation. And, um, you know, our thoughts and prayers just go out to the families. Um, you know, I, I couldn't imagine what any of these, uh, you know, these people are going through, you know, these hard times. And so it's just, it's, it's unfortunate, you know, and I think, you know, when it comes to, to the bully case, you know, it has to be investigated. They need to make sure that this was something that was an accident and not something more nefarious involved, but, you know, if they're putting out there that that's what it seems to be or, or whatnot, we have to take their investigation for what it's worth. You know, they, they don't have any footage of anybody going in there, you know, around that time that would make them believe that there was foul play involved. But we got to look at every situation and they're going to look at it and put the information out there. And as they do, we're going to cover it. Yep. Um, you know, it is what it is. So. <clears throat> Dan says, thank God for dumbass criminals. Give us something to talk about. You know it. You know it. So that's going to we're going to put a bow on it. That's going to be the show. We'll be back on Wednesday night. Um, in fact, I, I got to get with him, but I think we're going to be having El Guapo. He's in the uh, live chat. He was awesome. in there earlier. Yes, he was, he's right. also a guy that uh, he's one of our members. And so, yeah, he, he, yeah. <laughs> he did some work on. Um, on cell towers. We're going to be talking yeah. about those cell towers and how they uh, reflect on this case. So subscribe, ring that notification bell. That being said, y'all, I'm Daniel J. This is Jaime G. We're out of here. Later, guys. Take care.